You're listening to Ocean Currents, a podcast brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary. This show was originally broadcast on KWMR in Point Reyes Station, California. Thanks for listening. And welcome to another edition of Ocean Currents. I'm your host, Jennifer Stock. And on this show, we talk with scientists, educators, explorers, policymakers, ocean enthusiasts, and adventures, movie makers, and more, all uncovering and learning about the mysterious and vital part of our planet, the blue ocean. I bring this show to you monthly on KWMR from NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, one of four national marine sanctuaries in California, all working to protect unique and biologically diverse ecosystems. So I'm excited about today's show. We've all seen films that have moved us. I even had a physical reaction to it. It's an incredible communication tool. Now more than ever, ocean films have the power to change minds, moods, and motivate through the artistic, creative persuasion of film. So today's show is all about the movies, the ocean movies, that is, and I'm thrilled to talk with some of the filmmakers that will be highlighted at the upcoming San Francisco International Ocean Film Festival, as well as the executive director of the festival. So stay tuned with us. We'll have quite a few different topics to talk about as we dive into ocean films. Thanks for staying with us to Ocean Currents. Live on the air with me, I have Anna Blanco, the executive director of the San Francisco Ocean Film Festival. Anna, you're live on the air. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thanks for calling in. So this is the 10th year of this annual festival. What are the big highlights from the first 10 years? Well, we have quite a bit. This year we have over 14 countries that are represented uh, through films. And so that just reflects upon the diversity of the filmmakers who are sending us films. Um, obviously, everyone around the world has an interest in the ocean, and that's reflected in the uh, variety of films that we have. We also have our second annual student film competition, which was a nationwide search for students in middle school and high school who are interested in not only learning more about the ocean, but also um, testing their skills at becoming filmmakers. So. Uh, We have quite a number of submissions, and we'll be screening those and handing out awards for those. And we also have just some spectacular films that just cover a diverse variety of topics regarding the ocean. Fantastic. Now, it's the word international has entered the title of the festival, and it sounds like, well, there's films coming in from different countries, but is the film festival also traveling now? Yes, it is. So one of the things that I noticed when we first started, when I first started doing the film festival about three years ago was that we have all these wonderful films, great messages, and they end up sitting in my box after we screen them. And they're such great films. They're mostly independent films. And uh, the idea was to just to try to get the message out about what these films were about. And so we started a traveling program with um, some partners in Hong Kong, And that was our first screening. They're doing a second screening um, in Hong Kong in April as well as in Singapore. 
And we also screened last October as part of the Pacific Meridian Film Festival, which took place in Vladivostok, Russia. So that was very exciting. They showed us several of our films. And uh, this week, in fact today, is the premiere of the films in six different cities in Australia. So we're very excited about the growth of the traveling program. That's wonderful. Can you step us through the different aspects of the festival? Because there's so many different things going on and different ways for people to participate. But it starts this week. Can you just step us through each of the different main programs? Yes. Um, So the first uh, opening night gala starts on Thursday, and that's our kickoff event. Um, It's going to feature Jean-Michel Cousteau. And he's going to do a presentation on his um, life growing up with his father, um, Jack Cousteau, whom I think everyone's familiar with. And that's the opening night, and we're going to have a few films after his presentation that kind of give people an idea of what the festival has to offer. On Friday, we have shows at 1, 4, and 7 o'clock p.m., and the 7 o'clock is our surfing program. Always sells out, always very popular with all the surfers we have here in the Bay Area. And then on Saturday at 1 o'clock, we have our surfing program, which also is extremely um, popular. After that, we have a panel discussion on what, how the challenges of creating a film about the ocean, especially if it's underwater, and um, the challenges of filming sharks, as you can imagine. Our awards program is Saturday night, so we are giving out uh, nine awards this year, and uh, we do it uh, by sh- showing a few clips of the films on stage. We have about um, 20 visiting filmmakers, so those who are winners will be brought on stage. Always a really fun night. And then on Sunday is our student film competition at 10 a.m. Exciting. And are tickets still available, or how does, do people, can people just show up, or do a lot of the sessions sell out early? Some of the sessions sell out early, as I mentioned, uh, but tickets are sale, on sale online right now at um, our website, which is Ocean Film Fest. Org. Um, people can also approach the box office at the Bay Theater, which is at Aquarium of the Bay, and buy tickets in person. All of the films are screened at the Aquarium of the Bay. It's a theater called the, um, the Bay Theater on Pier 39, and tickets are on sale there as well. Fantastic. So oceanfilmfest.org, and folks can also get a program there to see what's happening each day, which films are being screened. And it's at the Bay Theater at Pier 39. Now, Anna, have you seen a specific focus area, different ocean issues that you feel most viewers are most interested in? Or it sounds like surfing is a hot one, but are there other special issues that you feel the viewers are really getting attached to? You know, it's interesting because some years we'll see a lot of films about a particular issue, whether it's ocean acidification or other issues that are happening with the ocean. One that always comes up every year and we can never have enough about is um, plastics in the ocean. Uh, last year, I think we had three or four films about plastics. This year, we have one entitled Plastic Paradise, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is 57 minutes on Saturday at 10 a.m. And after that, we're putting together a panel discussion with some key people in the community and so that we can sort of discuss some of the current issues that are happening with plastics. And spearheading that will be our friend from Hong Kong who runs the Ocean Recovery Alliance in Hong Kong and uh, specifically about plastics. So that's always a major topic. This year we've seen a lot of marine wildlife films. So there's Salmon Forest, which talks about salmon in the Pacific Northwest. 
there is a film on Saturday night entitled Giants of the Deep, which is about humpback whales. We're seeing a lot of films about marine wildlife. Wonderful. Now, one thing that I just would love to highlight and maybe you could fill in a little bit of the details on this. It seems like this film this film festival highlights a lot of unique independent films that may not be seen anywhere else. Do you have an idea of how many of these films are truly independent, probably not showing somewhere else versus other films that might be at other film festivals or um, well, all of these all of these films are independent films that you would not be able to see unless they were screened at another film festival. So as to our knowledge, they're not going to be distributed on a large screen um, or a major motion picture house. They're primarily submitted to film festivals like ours, so they could be screened at other film festivals, but not necessarily on the big screen. That's such a great thing. It's such a unique piece of this because it's such incredible, unique art to to see that on, on the big screen. Exactly. So what is your ultimate hope for participants who attend and participate in the film festival? That's a really good question. So I think our, our mission is really to be the ultimate destination for people to come and learn more about the ocean and through the art of film. Um, it's a great intersection for being able to engage people, to entertain them, and also to educate them about what's happening with the ocean from many, many different perspectives from around the world. And a lot of times there are topics in the films that you may never have had a chance of knowing of what was happening, you know, someplace in Indonesia, someplace in the Netherlands, you know, surfers who actually surf in Finland in the ice-cold water. It's, it's really an opportunity to learn about what's going on with the world's ocean in a variety of different settings around the world. Fantastic. Anna, thanks so much for calling in today. And good luck this week getting your last things in place and have a great event. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. We'll be highlighting three of your filmmakers today on the rest of the show, so we're looking forward to it. Exciting. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you. So just to recap, this is for the San Francisco Ocean Film Festival, San Francisco International Ocean Film Festival that's starting this weekend, and it's taking place at the Bay Theater on Pier 39, right next to Aquarium of the Bay. And you can go to oceanfilmfest.org to preview the program for each of the films for each day and and pick out sessions that you might want to go to and purchase tickets online. I think there's also a film pass available, too. You can buy a film pass for the whole weekend. So check it out. It's a, I highly recommend this festival. It's, it's a small one in the sense that a lot of people don't even know about it, but it is the only ocean film festival in the Bay Area, and it's just truly unique. I've seen such incredibly unique, independent films there. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I have three filmmakers that have films that are going to be showing at the festival calling in today, so stay tuned to Ocean Currents. We're going to Come, come back in just a few minutes with an animator, Steve Dildarian, who is has a seven-minute film showing in the festival. Thanks for tuning in. Stay with us. Steve, you're live on the air. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much for calling in today. Are you getting excited about the festival? I am. I really am. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Fantastic. So Steve Dildarian, he is the creator behind a short that's playing at the festival called I'm going to bite someone, and it's seven minutes. Steve has a prior career in advertising, 
and has over 35 awards in that area and is a self-taught animator. And without giving it away, Steve, what's the ultimate story in this short? I'm going to bite someone. It's just about a shark who is frustrated with the way people treat the oceans. So he realizes the only way sharks ever get in the news is when they bite someone. So his plan is to uh, attack a human being, and when the media converges, he's going to use it as his platform to get his other opinions across. Excellent. Now, you have a background in animation. You created um, an HBO series called The Life and Times of Tim. And is this your first ocean piece? It is, yeah. I mean, I, even my, my experience with animation is limited. I made one short film, which led to making that show and kind of took me away from advertising because of it. And I haven't done any other animated shorts since then. So this is my second animated short. And uh, I figured this time around I just wanted to do something that I cared about rather than just doing something to, to be funny. This is your first ocean one, and so you must be a, an ocean lover for you to focus on the ocean for this, this yeah, piece. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I am, you know, in all things environment, and the ocean in particular. And it was just a good coincidence that, you know, the one funny idea I had just happened to be about sharks and the ocean. It was kind of random the way I just stumbled on the idea. So I figured I'd take it and, and run with it. Right on. Now, how much of you and your humor is in this film? Oh, very much. Uh, yeah, everything um, everything I write is just kind of my point of view through the eyes of a different character. So uh, it's very much, you know, my sense of humor. And I did one of the voices in the, sh- in the short. So it's, it's definitely got my stamp on it. Do you write the whole script first for something like this? You mentioned that there's very little animation in terms of visuals, but how long does it take to write a script for this and then carry it all the way through? It's it's seven minutes, so I'm, I'm kind of curious what the time difference is for that. The, the writing is probably the easiest and quickest part. I probably wrote it, you know, in a couple of days. Um, but, you know, re- recording it and drawing all the artwork and animating it, at least the way I do it, because it's kind of a roundabout way to accomplish something pretty simple. Uh, you know, making the thing took months, you know, from frame by frame, redrawing what's going to happen. And But the writing is fairly easy. And, you know, once I have a funny idea, I can, I can write a short script like that in a couple of days. Uh, the animating is the, the hard part. Nice. Is this the first time this will be showing at a festival? Yeah, it will. Yeah, first. Are you nervous about screening it? A little bit, yeah. I, I never like watching other people watch my things. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sit in the back of the room and uh, hope it goes over well. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah. Really nice. Do you think you might do some more ocean pieces in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to. Um, this has really been encouraging, you know, because I live in San Francisco and so this was the one festival out of all of them that I really was hoping, you know, it could show at because it, it's it's not just a big forum. It's just very personal for me. But to play to a crowd like this is very engaged in it uh, right in my hometown is is really encouraging. So I would, I'd love to do do another one. Well, I can't wait to see it myself. So this is this is um, screening on Saturday at one o'clock. Yes, and right. it's part of a shark program, and there'll be a little panel discussion afterwards, sharks, films, and storytelling. So you're, 
your experience with sharks in person. Do you have any personal stories with sharks? Uh, you know, you know, not really, other than I've been kind of obsessed with them ever since I was a little kid. I remember we went to a trip in Florida, and my grandfather gave me a, a miniature set of shark jaws. And um, as my first thing that I ever wrote, like when I was probably 10 years old, it was a, it was a little story on sharks. So it's kind of been floating around, if you will, for uh, for quite some time in my brain. So, but as far as being attacked, no, I've never been attacked or <laughs> come too close to one. Well, you don't necessarily need to be attacked to see a shark, but I haven't actually seen any white sharks myself, and I've been on the water quite a bit. But I bet yeah. you'll meet some people that have seen them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to people. I'm sure everyone's got such different perspectives at, at the whole thing. So uh, I'm looking forward to just seeing what everyone else has to show as well. That's great. So what drew you from advertising into creating animations? It sounds like you're quite the storyteller. Yeah, you know, it was kind of random. I, I, uh, my, my advertising experience, I got to do a lot of different things. Like Budweiser was one of my main accounts, and that was really more entertainment than, than advertising. So I got to just create characters, dabble with animation and you know, a lot of radio commercials. So it all kind of was a good training ground for me to just develop different skills. And before I knew it, I said, hey, I could probably make my own animation. And I did, and it just kind of took on a life of its own. Uh, it was kind of a, if you ever see my first short, it was like this one, pretty naive and crude looking. Uh, so you, you can tell it's not at the hands of an experienced animator. <laughs> but um, people liked it, so I just, I kept going with it, and yeah, here I am. It's more about the story, it seems. If you can carry the story out with some humor, it, it helps to kind of complement it, right? Exactly. Even this short with the sharks is kind of like my TV show. Uh, a lot of people say, hey, this could kind of play as a radio show. It's it just the dialogue is really my strong suit and, and getting a good believable back and forth. So, you know, I kind of leveraged my experience on the show to make this. I got some of the actors that I had worked with who were very funny, you know, stand-up comedians and and kind of just applied the same principles to this. So, yeah, just creating, creating the dialogue and the back and forth is really my strong suit, I think. That's great. Now, is, do you still have a show in production right now, or what are some other projects no. you're working on? I'm, I'm, I'm in development now because the show, we did three seasons for HBO, and then it wrapped up. Uh, we got canceled. Um, so, but that was a good run, and now I'm just writing and pitching new shows. So, you know, it's just a time time consuming process. You got to keep keep writing, keep pitching, and wait for something to click. So, that's kind of what was led to me doing this. I, the randomness of my schedule and of my life in, in pitch mode. As well, the show was in production. So I'm I'm painting a lot. I'm doing animated shorts like this, uh, you know, writing, so kind of random creative projects. Very nice. So any last words you want to share about your, your short that's debuting in the Ocean Film Festival this weekend? Yeah, I just hope people come out and see because I think, um, I imagine at least within the, the spectrum of work in the festival, mine will stand out in, in different ways um, and probably be one of the, the stranger entries you'll see but um i'm excited to just be part of it so i hope as many people make it out as possible
Fantastic, Steve. Well, thank you so much for calling in today. Great. Thank and, you. And uh, hopefully we'll meet you at the festival this weekend. Um, yeah, definitely. I'll see you there. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye. Uh, bye-bye. So Steve Dildarian, he is with... He is an animator, and he has submitted a film into the San Francisco International Ocean Film Festival, which is debuting on Saturday. And this is part of the Shark Program at 1 o'clock. And the, there's, uh, let's see, seven films. His short is called I'm Going to Bite Someone, a seven-minute film clip. And in summary, it's basically uh, a sh- these two sharks are talking, and they use... Um, a fake bite to a human as a platform for elevating their messages about the ocean. And uh, it sounds really, really funny. I I haven't actually seen it yet, so I'm excited to see it. Some other films that will be showing during that session, there's a film called Shark Report from the Netherlands, an eight-minute film, a new film that's debuting, Swim for the Sharks, by local David McGuire. We've had him on the show before, 13 Minutes. My Father the Captain, a film by Jean-Michel Cousteau, probably about Jacques Cousteau. Tangled Waters in New Zealand, Andrew Scott. Befriending Giants, and this is, I think, a a film about whale sharks, um, fishermen and whale sharks. I'm not so sure. I didn't get to see that one. And then there will be a panel discussion. So this is a festival session that sells out every single year because everybody loves sharks, which is wonderful. It's great that everybody loves sharks. So if you're interested in the shark program, you might want to get online at oceanfilmfest.org. Check it out for Saturday. You can get tickets ahead of time and get a chance to see all these really cool films. So today we're talking about the San Francisco Ocean the International Ocean Film Festival and on Ocean Currents. My name is Jennifer Stock, and we're going to take a quick break here. And in a few minutes, we'll be talking with Angela Sun, who is the producer of Plastic Paradise, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Like Anna was mentioning earlier, this is a, a topic that people are really passionate about. So we'll hear a little bit about that. And then we'll also be talking with Josh Pomer, um, a surf filmmaker, and his film is called Discovering Mavericks. It's all about Mavericks. Really, really intense film. So stay with us. You're listening to Ocean Currents, and we're talking about ocean films today. And thanks for staying with us. You're tuned to Ocean Currents. My name is Jennifer Stock. And today we're talking with filmmakers that have films debuting this weekend at the San Francisco International Ocean Film Festival. And on the phone with me, I have Angela Sun. Angela, you're live on the air. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Thanks for calling in. Of course. Angela is the producer and host of, which I'm curious how you produce and host a show at the same time. That sounds pretty amazing. Um, But Angela produced Plastic Paradise, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. The film is 57 minutes and is is showing on Saturday at 10 o'clock. And Angela, you're a Bay Area native with a strong background in sports casting and journalism and being a TV host. But how did you get into focusing on the plastic uh, problem as a focus for a documentary? Well, it started out as a story pitch for a network that I was working for, current TV a while back, um, and then it sort of morphed into this crazy feature-length film. Um, I, as I started doing more research and doing more shoots, um, we just realized that the problem was more insidious, and it was also a lot more layered than just the surface, which 
which ironically goes all together because it's what lies beneath the surface that what you see, um, because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not there. And that's the problem with the plastic pollution all around the world, um, that a lot of it's deep in the water columns of our oceans. And not all of us are in the ocean every day to see it and experience it Mm -hmm. to the depth that it is. Um, that's actually a quote that I pulled out of your trailer. Their trailer is great, really got me engaged. And this is definitely an issue that I'm very passionate about in my work as an educator. But I wanted you to just talk a little bit about this quote. Plastics will play as large a role in peace as they do in war. And yeah. I thought you could tell us a little bit more about that. Um, you know, it was funny because that was from an archive video and um, that I believe that was from a black and white archive video that we pulled. Um, yeah, it was around that part where there's some real historic video footage of yeah, plastic. It's yep. great. Um, and basically, it was during the time when, you know, it was this great invention. It's fantastic. It's never disintegrates. You know, it's durable. It's strong. And, um, you know, that, that was the way it was innovative. And that was the way the media was um, portraying it, as well as these other companies. And it's just ironic that. Um, you know, we've almost done more detriment to ourselves um, in peacetime than in war, but it's it's, it's like a quiet, it's a quiet way of um, combat, I guess, and the quiet way of sort of doing this to ourselves. Um, And, you know, it's not blatant like wartime, but um, it started off as this amazing material and fabric and all the different things that plastic is great for. And I'm not saying that all plastic is evil either. Like, I think that because of this creation and because of these chemical compounds, we're able to do a lot of things that we weren't able to do um, in every walk of, I mean, in every piece of life from, you know, like every day we touch plastic. But at the same time, um, we are not, as a public, privy to a lot of, different things like the way it's disposed, where it goes, um, um, you know, like what it's actually made out of, what what kind of chemicals are involved, and what it's doing to not just our environment, but how it's getting back into our systems. Fantastic. Can you give us, since we did, it's hard to describe on the phone, maybe you could give us just a, few, a quick overview. This is a 57-minute film, which is pretty significant. Can you take uh-huh. us through kind of an, just the main pieces of it and where you take people? Um. Yeah, so basically we go on this journey to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, or where it ends up, um, which is Midway Axel, literally in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, a tiny dot of speck of land. Um, and what we find there is quite interesting, and for people who are ocean savvy and know, um, there are a lot of, ooh, 70% of the world's albatross, um, which are these birds that are, live on the sea, they migrate over there and they only stop um, during a certain time of the season where during a certain time of the year where they will go and nest. And um, we saw the effects of what plastic is doing to the animals and the environment and then learn, well, you know, I come home, well, how does this affect me just because it's happening out in the middle of the sea? Um, what's it to me, you know? And so I kind of come, come at it from a viewer standpoint of why should I care, you know? And, mm-hmm. So when we come home, I ask all these other people questions, and we go out and talk to different scientists and activists and uh, industry people and try to find out more. And um, what we find is astounding. So um, 
I don't want to give all everything away, but uh, yeah. it's definitely more than just what we find out on the ocean or floating up on the beaches. And hopefully, I hope that everyone will be able to come out and check it out and um, you know, make it to the film festival. And there's a lot of other great films to watch. But we do bring in some new information that hasn't really been discussed yet. Ooh, I love it. A little cliffhanger. Um, this sounds like it was a big journey, this film, in terms of taking you from here out to Hawaii and other areas. What was the biggest realization you had about this issue when you were making the film? I think I realized how big our world was. I mean, the Pacific Ocean is the largest body of water on our planet, and our Earth is covered by over 75% water, as you know. And, um, you know, like, it's just that this problem is everywhere, and it's not here, and it affects everybody. It's a global issue. Um, and, you know, it made me realize just to look around a little bit more and to look a little bit more closely at things around you because we, every single person, every day, of this, every day on Earth, um, you know, we're, we touch, run into, wear, eat, breathe, you know, like, we, we live around plastic, and it is only in the past, you know, less than, less than 50, 60 years, or 40, 40 to 60 years, I believe, um, that this has happened. So it's just amazing the reach and how big the world is and how much plastic has affected everybody in all walks of life, from rich to poor to, you know, in Asia to Australia to the U.S., we're all tied together. So I think that was a big realization that it's not just, you know, a third world problem, the trash from, you know, washing mm-hmm. up on Indonesian shores. It is everybody's problem. What was the biggest challenge for you filming this? I think the biggest challenge is always funding um, when you're <laughs> doing something independently. I work with different networks, and uh, right now I work for Yahoo Sports, and um, I've you know, like worked on so many different types of shows and you know, I always have a backing of a network. And so going out on your own, you really have to just literally do everything. So um, I feel empowered to be able to, you know, create and, you know, be able to not be restricted by certain parameters, but at the same time that you get to use your exercise, your creative juices, you have to do everything. <laughs> like you don't have the backing of, um, you know, oh, I'm done. I'll just send this off to finishing, or I'll just um, have them work with distributors, or you know, it's already set. It's already done for you. So, um, in that way, that's always a big challenge for any independent filmmaker. I think anyone who's made anything will agree. Um, but that's why we do it, right? It's for um, the passion and the the message behind these things that we do it. <laughs> It's also somewhat empowering, I imagine, to completely do this independently. It is, but it's really tiring. And if anyone says different, (laughs) they would be lying because it's so tiring and taxing. And I never intended to set out to do a feature-length doc because I know how much work it goes into it and um, how much of your life and blood, sweat, and tears you put into it and not not just money alone and you know, pulling favors from friends and everything. So, um, you know, that wasn't my uh, motive, uh, per se, but at the same time, 
you know, when you feel passionately or strongly about a, a you know, a topic such as this, it's almost like civic duty that you have to share it with everybody. And hopefully that's the idea is that, you know, we can each make a difference and we can each do something just by sharing, just by telling somebody, making them aware. Because um, I think that's really the crux of social change. That's wonderful. Has the production of this film and all the new information that you've gained and are sharing with people, has it changed you personally in terms of your relationship with plastic? Oh, of course. It definitely has. I mean, that would be (laughs) so hypocritical if it didn't. Um, Yeah, I mean, I try to carry my own, bring my own uh, water bottle. I always say no to a bag. I'm constantly... um, uh, telling people that I'm with that <laughs> they cannot have disposable plastics around me. Um, uh, I mean, not like in a vigilante way, but just, you know, like I, I want to make people aware and um, just little small changes. And it's really these social habits that that I feel like will make an impact and um, supporting other groups who are, also a part of this, Plastic Pollution Coalition, Five Dyers, like a bunch of great people who have been part of the film and um, supporters. I don't know. I just, uh, I I try to do my due diligence, but sometimes it's hard too, you know? Yeah, you can do the best you can do. And, and part of it is sharing the word, what you're doing with your film. So thank you so much for of course. putting all your work into this. And I can't wait to see it. The trailer was wonderful. And thank um, you. is there a specific website people can go to see yes, it? They can go to plasticpartisemovie.com for more information. And we'll be adding some more um, updates soon. And we're excited to be showing it at the festival and to meet everybody. And so please come. It's Saturday at 10 a.m., and if you have any questions, I'll be hanging around afterwards and would love to chat and uh, talk more about things that we could be doing. Thank you. Did you say it was PlasticParadise.com? PlasticParadiseMovie.com. Movie.com. PlasticParadiseMovie.com. Well, Angela, thank you so much for calling in today. And thank you, Jennifer. Oh, and we're on Twitter at PlasticPDice, and then we're also on Facebook. So that's the whole social media covered. Fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Jennifer. Take care. We'll see you this weekend. All right. See you. Okay. Bye. So Angela's son is the producer of Plastic Paradise and the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, 57-minute feature-length film um, showing on Saturday, March 9th at 10 o'clock, the 10 o'clock session, which has four different films in it. The first film, actually, is Cordell Bank, A Sound Investment, a two-minute short by Drew Christie. A little local flavor there. And Isla Coronado, Ghost Net, another eight-minute film. Marine Litter, um, animation cartoon by Jim Toomey, two minutes. And then the feature film, Plastic Paradise, The Great Pacific Garbage Patch with Angela Sun, the filmmaker, who will be there on Saturday to, to share her stories about the film debuting. So we've talked a lot about plastics in the environment and the ocean here. I can't wait to see this film. It really takes you on the full picture, but it sounds like it really brings us around to maybe the, the human um, implement, the human component of that in terms of how does this affect us. So we're looking forward to hearing about that. Angela Sun, Plastic Paradise, and her website is plasticparadisemovie.com. 
For those just tuning in, you're listening to Ocean Currents. My name is Jennifer Stock, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with our final filmmaker, Josh Homer, who created the film Discovering Mavericks, a surf film. Really, really intense movie with amazing videography. So cannot wait to talk with him. So stay tuned. And live with me on the air, I have Josh Pomer. Josh, you're live on the air. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for having me. So this is uh, the second showing of your film coming up this weekend. Is this true? Yeah, it premiered at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival on the 1st, and this is the... The second premiere. Exciting, exciting. So Josh grew up in Santa Cruz, and Josh, one of the things I couldn't figure out was, are you a surfer yourself? Definitely. I love surfing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, can't get enough of it. So tell me about Mavericks. Did you surf Mavericks yourself, or is this just a, a local close story since you grew up in Santa Cruz, and Mavericks is kind of this incredible place? Tell me about how you got connected to it. Uh, well, I started, I, I was in high school at Santa Cruz High, and my friend started, like, Flea Verosco, who I went to high school with, would be like, oh, my God, I just surfed Mavericks. It's, like, the most insane wave in, in the world. And and uh, he's like, do you want to surf it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's kind of how I heard about it. And then I went up there with him and just, you know, people didn't really know around the world how crazy it was. And, um, you know, so I just saw it and um i i'm kind of like uh like warm weather person so i'm like scared of of surfing in like ice cold water plus the weight i mean at mavericks especially and so i've surfed one may bay but i'll leave mavericks to the guys that really dedicated to it because if you're not you'll just go out there and die basically <laughs> Wow. So the, mil- the film is called Discovering Mavericks, and this is really telling folks kind of the story behind this place in terms of it as a surf spot and the incredible danger, but also all the human, the human connections. There's so many people and incredible stories that are associated with it. Now, you, the film just came out this year, but I imagine this has been a film that's been in your mind for years to come. How long did this whole process take to come to the final phase of showing it well i like i said i started filming mavericks when i was in high school like 20 years ago but um i really uh i made a documentary called the west siders which did really well and um i was waiting for forever for it to come out and i kind of wanted a new project and um the chasing mavericks movie uh they were working on that which was the hollywood version of the maverick story and jay moriarty mm-hmm and I was a close friend of Jay, so I kind of, like, they kind of got me involved with that project a little bit, and um, it kind of made me want to make, like, a documentary to tell the whole story and not just um, Jay's story. And then I saw the movie, and I was a little bit disappointed, and I felt like it didn't quite capture the spirit of Jay. So I wanted to show if I could show a deeper side of Jay than, than the movie, than the Hollywood version, like a more truthful and, and getting, you know, people's perspectives that knew Jay. And I just thought that maybe, maybe I had something to share there. Mm -hmm. One of the quotes in, 
One of the quotes in the trailer is, the true story of Mavericks is way heavier than any Hollywood movie could ever imagine. I imagine that's kind of a play on the fact that Chasing Mavericks, the other film, didn't quite cover it for you. Now, what is that heaviness about? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just kind of an exciting quote, but, you know, honestly, it's just like, it's hard for... I mean, most Hollywood movies, and that one I think was aimed at kids in the end. But, um, I mean, it's it's just, you know, like the real stories from the real people, and that's going to always, you know, unless you've got an Academy Award-winning film, pretty much going to be more heartfelt. And it's just like, you know, getting Jeff Clark interview, and he's obviously the person that discovered Mavericks, as well, you know, pioneered it, surfed it for 15 years by himself. And it's just like getting, you know, the real person, Jeff Clark's perspective on Jay Moriarty and on Mavericks is just something that I feel like I was so lucky that Jeff, you know, ended up coming on board and working with me on the film 100% and grateful for that. And I just, just, I just feel like no one else could have got these stories really, um, just because I knew these guys. And I mean, Jeff's, like, crying and just telling me his, like, deepest secrets, and it's all in the movie, and it's just a testament to to how brave they are to surf these waves and and how brave they are to just, you know, share their lives with other people. And I think that's, like, where the mystery of, of life and filmmaking is, and if you can get people to reveal stuff they've never, you know, told anyone before and in a heartfelt way and, 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 and share that with other people, then... I mean, I'm hoping that people watch the movie and and want to be be better people and be more kind and all that sort of thing to others, just as Jay did. And that was, I just wanted to honor Jay. And when I was making the movie, I, I'd be watching the interviews and I'd be like, it might sound corn, corny, but I was like, would Jay like this this part or the, you know, like I really wanted to put myself in his shoes and and tell tell his story and the story overall of Mavericks you know, from from the surfer's perspective. That's great. Thank you. I can imagine that having that real personal relationship with different people can completely change a film. So I bet you that really comes through in the film. The trailer was beautiful. Thank you. Now, there's the other power of Mavericks that I think is amazing and the amazing beauty of some of the shots that I saw in, in the trailer just this incredible, beautiful wave coming over. Tell me a little bit about filming out there. Are you in the water? Are you on a boat? And what are some of the, I can imagine it being terrifying being on a boat. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the people that are riding it are really putting themselves in harm's way. Um, I'm like a stay-at-home dad, so you might hear my one nap. <laughs> I'm trying to grab the phone right now. But, uh, Ava, say Hi. Hi. um it's it's terrifying but but the people that are out there surfing i mean that's like way scarier than like the people filming you know i mean although like when you do hit the water and you're filming from the water which steve spaulding did i i i would i would never do that myself um but uh steve spaulding came on board and he's a he's a legend filmmaker and he was out the day that mark fu died shooting from the water and so he was just kind I mean, so many people just pitched in on this project. It's almost like shouldn't 
I shouldn't even, you know, like, I have to give so much credit to, like, Steve Spaulding, who just opened up his entire library, and without his footage and his angles, like, it would have been a completely different movie, and and he's out there in the water, and, you know, you don't, it, it takes a lot of guts to shoot from the water, and it's not very often that, that you find people that are that brave. I'm, I'm not that brave. Yeah. I'll be in the boat congratulating him when he comes in, but... Well, there's just so many different um, elements out there that are so terrifying with the fog and the surf being huge and the cold water and the sharks. rocks and, oh, yeah, the sharks. There's been a shark attack at Maverick, so it's like, and and it's really cool because if you, if, uh, you know, obviously I want everyone in San Francisco to come to the movie, but if you come to the movie, like, um, you know, Noah, which you obviously know a lot about, I think you guys did that amazing like animation of this of the sea floor mm-hmm. which is in the movie and it just shows how insane like the reef is and how magical of a place it is that everything came together i mean it's just like the deepest trench and then this this like folding underwater reef where the earth's crust is just like being pushed up and creates like a sloping ramp and so it, it creates this big sloping ramp, and then it goes deep again, and then another sloping ramp. So you'll see the wave just jump up, and then it hits the deep spot, and it's breaking, and then it hits that next slope and explodes again. So you'll see the wave break, and then you'll literally see the white water shoot like twice as high in the air as the wave itself. Just amazing amount of power in that spot, and. And the other thing, too, which I wasn't able to get into the film, but, I mean, these guys are riding, basically, the Earth's natural energy from storms, and they're trying to capture, they're trying to ride, you know, the biggest, basically, pulse of energy from the Earth that is ever created, you know, from these storms. And from space, they just look like, you know, circular funnels, so... I mean, these surfers are on a spiritual level level tapping into the Earth's own, you know, energy that's created, and it's just, it's insane. I mean, what they're actually riding is, like, basically energy waves, and the biggest energy waves that are ever created is what they go out and try to be a part of, so. Wow, that's a... Yeah, they're all really spiritual people, too, when you... And I try to talk about that... And how surfing is more than just like a sport. That's great description. I really like that, the way you describe the natural history of it, but the whole energy transfer. And it seems that that really comes through in the film, and I hope people will come on out to see it. I have one last question for you before we have to wrap it up. And um, I saw that you're involved in helping a unique foundation called the Maui Ola Foundation through screenings of your film. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's it's just... Um my friend James, uh, who I went to college with, Dunlap, started the Maliola Foundation, and um, it was it was funny because like he was always the grumpiest guy in the water and the scariest like big old guy, you know. And then like ten years later, all of a sudden he starts this like amazing foundation, you know what I mean, to help kids. And it's just like sometimes like the people that seem the grumpiest can be like the the nicest people to have the biggest hearts. That's great. And um, they they take kids um, that have, like, a disease where their lungs, like, fill up with fluid. And um, their life expectancy of these kids is, like, 15. And, and surfing, um, 
like when waves break, the molecules of the water like breaks and it releases like negative ions and stuff, which I guess in just the salt spray, it like um, it loosens the phlegm in their lungs. So it there it's like therapy for them because it breaks down the buildup of you know the phlegm, which will eventually you know suffocate them. So it's a, um, it definitely. helps the kids get out and have some fun while they're dealing with a yeah. serious disease. That too, but it's it's super heavy because it's like heat. You know, obviously he does it for these kids, but it's, I mean, it goes full circle. Like he gets really close with these kids and these families and then, you know, not all of them make it. And it's just, he's, wow. you know, dedicating his life to helping others. So I was just so stoked to like play the trailer, you know, at all the, the screenings and, and, um, you know, do raffles and stuff and anything I could do to raise awareness for his foundation, which the Maliola Foundation and Maliola.org and, They've, they've won a lot of awards for helping out kids, and I've been to a lot of the events, and the smiles on the faces and the parents, it's priceless. That's wonderful. Well, that is such a true testament of a surfer to share that good energy with so many more people. Josh, I'm sorry i got to cut you off because we're at the end of the hour here, but thank you so much for calling in and making this amazing film, Discovering Mavericks, and it shows on... Friday evening, the surfing program. That's the headlining film. And I wish you luck. I hope it's received well. I'm sure it will be. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank take care. Again. Okay, goodbye. All right, folks. We're at the end of the hour here, so we got to wrap it up. You've been listening to Ocean Currents, and we've been talking with filmmakers, films that will be showing at the San Francisco International Ocean Film Festival this weekend. And you can go to oceanfilmfest.org for more information about that, for tickets and the, the different film programs that are available. Thanks so much for tuning in today. i got to wrap it up and hand it over. Have a great afternoon. You're listening to KWMR. Thanks for listening to Ocean Currents. This show is brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary on West Marin Community Radio KWMR. Views expressed by guests on this program may or may not be that of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and are meant to be educational in nature. To learn more about Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, go to cordellbank.noaa.gov.